Welcome to Leadership Matters, a podcast hosted by me, Steve Parker. This is a series that brings a fresh perspective to leadership, motivation, and how to succeed by talking to a diverse range of CEOs, business managers, and world-class talent. We also offer some personal tips to help you in your career. Each episode aims to provide a snapshot into the life and philosophy of some of Taiwan and the world's most successful leaders, and to find out more about why leadership matters. Olivia Braddock is the head of brand at Gemba, the leading executive education solution in the metaverse. We'll come back to that in a moment. Prior to Gemba, Olivia was an international trade advisor supporting UK SMEs to grow and win business internationally. At just 21 years old, Olivia started her international sales career traveling to China, Hong Kong, and Japan for a luxury cruise brand before moving to Japan. Olivia firmly believes that great leadership starts with empathy, and in her spare time, she can be found mentoring young women in both the UK and Japan. And she's also training to become a personal trainer so she can help others manage their mental health through exercise, a cause very close to her heart. She's a Interesting young lady, and she's done a lot of stuff, and uh, we're very lucky to have her in the studio today. I, I'm going to start today, Olivia, by asking you about working across multiple cultures. How, how do you find managing across culture? Do you find that there's any different way you need to approach people, or what are the secrets? Yeah, yeah that's a really, really good question. Um, interestingly, so I actually started working in Asia when I was just 21 years old. And it was, and it's funny because at that time, you know, I wasn't used to any of the Asian cultures, uh, you know, China, Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore. And I'd spent my teenage years, you know, studying European languages. I'd moved to Spain for a little while. And so I always thought that my career would end up, you know, working in Europe somewhere. Um, but I think beyond the obvious language barrier, what became really apparent to me with Japan is there was this inherent need to build relationships and quickly um, to gain trust ultimately. And in a culture that is so, you know, staunch in hierarchy, you can imagine how it was for me, you know, as a 21-year-old coming in and working in a really tra traditional Japanese organization. It was a really unique opportunity and a big learning experience for me. You know, I wasn't used to people being so direct with me on my comments on my appearance or my age or my sex even. And I think, you know, fundamentally, it was really important for me to go into the market and not be arrogant and not sort of come in as many Western organizations do. I think what was really important to me, Stephen, is that I, I think I personally relate a lot to Japanese culture because the manner in which Japanese conduct business is really different to how they do it in the West. Um, fundamentally, the most important thing in Asian culture is to build relationships early on and invest in those relationships. You know, I've seen, you know, on many occasions, I've, I would witness, you know, deal making, you know, with, with great commercial sense. But if there wasn't any strong personal rapport there, it became really difficult for the organization or the individual. And I think what's really um, apparent to me is that there were so many Western organizations or, or business people that were coming in, trying to replicate the strategies that they had in the West, in the UK or in the US or in Europe, and try and implement the same strategies in Asia. Um, and they were just not necessarily listening to what the local market needed, what the local market required of them. Um, and so I think fundamentally, my best piece of advice here is when you are looking at building 
out your organization or your business in Asia. It's to first and foremost, invest in the relationships that you're building with your team, with your clients, with business partners, with local organizations, because fundamentally they're the ones who are going to pave the way and carve your way to success in the, in the market. But I think the reason why I was successful in what I did at that time was fundamentally because I invested in getting to know the individuals around me and the expertise. You know, I didn't know anything about Japan. I didn't know anything about Asia, but I listened to the people who knew it best. Um, I would actually spend, it's funny because my, my, my boss and my peers at the time thought I was crazy because I'd, I'd spent my sort of my, my first business trip in, in Asia and I came back and the day after I booked a holiday, I say, um, back to Japan and I took a week and a half off. I think it was around a week and a half. I paid for my own flights, accommodation, and I went and worked in the office for 10 days or a week and a half. And everyone was like, Olivia, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And I said, it's because I want to know the market best from the people who know it best. And so that really, for me, was a, is a, was a turning point in my career because I thought, okay, if I'm going to become the expert here, I need to listen to the, those uh, those around me who, you know, who, who are familiar and are experts in, in the local market. I think there's an idea of uh, what I'm getting from you is the idea of humility, right? A lot of, uh, yeah. not all leaders, but some leaders uh, come in with the expectation of being experts. Uh, and you very quickly, <laughs> you very quickly learn when you're in a new market or in a new place or a new company or anything that you're not the expert. You can't know everything. So this idea of reaching out to people and uh, networking, learning from people, I think that's a very mature attitude to have. Absolutely. And I think for me, especially when I moved to the local market, I the first thing I did was I thought to myself, okay, well, how am I going to build up that knowledge of the market? Who are the individuals? Who are the organizations that I can reach out to so that I can start networks, so I can start growing my network? And, uh, you know, that was um, where I first interacted with uh, the British Chamber of Commerce in Japan. Um, and uh, Laurie there, um, who was leading the chamber, she introduced me to, you know, a wealth of different organizations, different companies. And I became so integrated in sort of the expat community and I was learning from them as well you know what did they do 10 years ago that's different to now how did they navigate the the business cultural those those various nuances in the market that are so difficult particularly in, in Japan specifically because there are so many kind of cultural and business etiquette um, differences to to that of, a, of, of, of the UK I mean it's, you know we we Again, things come at us. I, I'm in my fifties now, and I, I, you know, I try to keep up with stuff that's going on. You know, and I, I know about mm -hmm. NFTs. I know about the metaverse. Mm -hmm. I know what's going on with Facebook and stuff like that. And I've got people and friends who are doing training in kind of like these online chat room kind of style mm -hmm. things. Now, I'm really fascinated. How is how is executive education moving into the metaverse? Yeah. So I think you know, in the broadest terms. You know, the metaverse is really understood as this, you know, immersive virtual space where individuals can play, they can learn, they can work, they can socialize, they can shop, you know, in short, do all of the things that us humans love to do in real life. Um, 
you know, prior to this, well, you know, uh, well, prior to us uh, working in the metaverse sort of realm and, and area, you know, we were an executive education training events company. So, you know, for almost a decade, we've been delivering events to senior executives from non-competing sectors across the world, you know, in all of these Fortune 2000 companies um, across core business strategy topics such as Industry 4.0, Lean, Agile, Digital Supply Chain, etc. And so, you know, and sort of around 2017, we started exploring this idea of, of virtual reality and implementing virtual, virtual reality into leadership training. And so we've been designing these learning programs in virtual reality. And so, you know, 2020 came and, you know, the pandemic reared its head and everyone was confined to their homes. We actually pivoted at that point to an entirely VR based offering. Um, so, you know, we're perfectly positioned as this viable solution for the pandemic. I guess you could say, you know, we created a, a one-stop solution for enterprise to, to both learn and collaborate remotely. Um, you know, at Gemba, we are working with senior executives, like I mentioned before, you know, senior executives such as heads of manufacturing, VPs of supply chain, etc., from these global Fortune 2000 companies, you know, some of the biggest brand names in the world, these enterprises to deliver leadership training at scale. Um, thus, you know, makes it making our solution, you know, a really cost effective way for organizations to upskill their employees. And I think that's a really important thing that we need to talk about today is, is, is upskilling. And, you know, the obvious benefits as well to that is, you know, it has a better impact on the planet because there's no need to for, for, for companies to to travel and do business travel so much anymore. So I think, you know, it's really an interesting space to be working in right now. You know, we're all talking about the metaverse and how it's going to shape the way that we that we socialize and the way we work. But really, it's about this idea of continuous learning and using virtual reality as a platform, as an enabler um, to to help upskill employees for the future of work. We've touched on this idea of, uh, of education as being part of the retention process. Mm, mm, mm. I, you've given us a nice little summary of kind of the, the what you're offering right now, and it's fascinating. Yeah. I think it's really interesting stuff. What do you think are going to be the biggest challenges going forward for companies to retain talent? Yeah, I think this is a really, really interesting question and a really hot topic at the moment. You know, I think personally, you know, first and foremost, businesses need to put employee education at the epicenter of business strategy, you know, to really get ahead, to really compete. You know, this is honourable shift, you know, as we transition into the fourth industrial revolution, you know, it's really charge a significant change in the way that we're working and the way that we're learning, etc., um, I don't know if you're aware, but, you know, McKinsey actually did a, um, uh, some research into this. And according to McKinsey, 375 million jobs will be will need to be replaced by automation and robotics by 2030. Yeah, it's not even a long time away. And, you know, a whopping one billion people need to be reskilled by 2030, according to the World Economic, For World Economic Forum. You know, there's this huge pressure even on individuals to to reskill, to upskill, so they compete with the pressures and pressures and the demands. Uh, you know, for the future of this, you know, this ever-changing landscape. Um, I think you know th these are really, you know, just a couple of really intimidating statistics. But I think this really underlines this urgent need for businesses to get ahead. Um, you know, I think my message is, you know, invest in your people to retain your talent. Um, you know, we all talk about this war on talent now, and you know, people, you know, quitting their jobs and resigning for for new opportunities. And I think what other 
businesses are offering is this idea of continuous learning. So, you know, at Gemba, we are really enabling some of these the biggest brands in the world um, and helping them pivot um, and, and provide them with, you know, the tools and the knowledge to upskill their workforce. I think obviously, you know, beyond, you know, attracting and retaining that talent, there's a huge uh, byproduct of you know job satisfaction with this as we know you know increase knowledge you know boost confidence it boosts productivity and creates you know ultimately a happier workforce and and this is really what's going to make individuals stay at a company long term i think you know foster this this culture of lifelong learning you know that's imperative for organizations in really in this profound time of change i wanted to kind of ask a little bit more about this upskilling that you're talking about mm. so yeah, I, I i personally believe the era of the kind of of the overeducated employee is 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 finishing you know yeah. it used to be that people talked about you know you need uh you know you've got to have a, a master's degree in something in order to get on to a certain point and i i think that this is actually for me when i'm employing people now i you know i don't even look at education anymore i look at yeah. courses i look yeah. at learning I look at yeah. other things that they've done. And when I drill Absolutely. into someone's job, I want to find out what have you learned from that job? What skills have you come out of that job with? Absolutely. You know, Steve and I never went to university and there was something a long time for a long time I thought, oh, you know, it's it's gonna be a really um, it's going to be, you know, a disadvantage for me of not going, of not gone to university. But honestly, a boss once told me, you know, you recruit the passion and you train the skill, Olivia. And that's resonated with me throughout my career and something I've really, really believed in when I've been hiring individuals as well. And when I've been applying for jobs, because actually what I have and what I encourage others to have is this unique ability to say, do you know what? I'm going to put my heart and soul into this. I'm going to roll my sleeves up. I'm going to learn from the ground up and I'm going to work hard to learn as much as I can. This, this, is, this idea of continuous learning is really important. And like you say, you know, you look for individuals who've attended courses or have done, you know, extracurricular activities and X and exactly that is something that I do. I also ask people, what books do you read? What uh, what sort of uh, media sources do you do you look at? What because podcasts actually, do they listen yeah, to? What podcasts <laughs> do you listen to? Absolutely, and podcasts is a really good one actually because there are so many now and so many you know um, podcasts that can help individuals um, shape the way that they learn, shape the way that they think, the way that they work, and provide a source of inspiration. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think this idea of continuous learning is really important. And that's something, again, what we're trying to encourage individuals and companies to do is, you know, you have to invest in your people and help them continuously learn, right? Because I think the issue that you find with a lot of organizations and something that I found in my career, you know, these when you get these e-learning platforms that, you know, oh, they give you a, a scenario and you have to click A, B, and C, or, you know, and it talks about health and safety, or it might talk about cybersecurity threats. How much of that information do individuals really retain? And that's something, you know, we can all tick, you know, it's a tick box exercise for so many organizations, but individuals who truly can turn around and say to me, what did you learn from that? 
in six months time what did you learn from that can you remember what what questions were asked you know and i think that's an issue we need to constantly be talking to our employees engaging with them providing with providing them with the most up-to-date relevant information and help them learn in in an immersive way an engaging way so Olivia, I really want to talk to you a little bit more. We've been talking for a little while now, and I, I want to get into this idea of mentoring because, I mean, obviously yes. you work in an educational organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you personally also feel it's important to give back to the, kind of the community around you. And I know that, you, I mean, we obviously met very early on. We were trying to get together to put together a, a, a women in business program across Taiwan and Japan. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. How important is that to you and how does that manifest itself? How what, what what do you do? I got into mentoring when I was around 21 years old as well, sort of a similar time as when I was starting off my career in Asia. And I was working with a local university back in my hometown. And I saw the impact that I had, even at a young age, on the young people that were at the university who were looking to engage with enterprise to kick off their career or understand better, you know, what the world of work looked like. And the response that I got from the, from the mentees that I worked with was overwhelmingly wonderful. And I thought, okay, I have an opportunity to here to continue this throughout my career. And actually what's, what's interesting is that I've had mentors in my life, right? And first and foremost, I've learned from them, from those individuals who've been there, done that and got the t-shirt. You know, my mentor, Rachel, for example, has been my lifeline on so many occasions. You know, sometimes you just need like a sounding board to remind you that you're on the right path or making the right decisions, particularly this so early on in my career, right? And I think, that's something that I've wanted to do for others. So even now, I am a mentor to some young women, both in the UK and in Japan as well. I've still kept my relationships with those that I've worked with in Japan. And actually, one of the the ladies I work with in Japan has set up her own business. You know, she was... um, she was a stay-at-home mum, and she met me when I was there in 2017. And she said to me, I remember her coming up to me, she said, Olivia, you know, I've always dreamt of, you know, creating my own organization and my, my own business. Um, she speaks really good English. She was always really engaged with the expat community in, in Tokyo. And I said to her, I was like, well, okay, well, what do you want to do? And, and, and so we worked collaboratively together to, to build something for her that, that was manageable for her and she could work around with her children and, 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 and her, her life at home. So that for me was really rewarding. And so I want to continue doing that um, throughout my career. Nice. Interesting. There's also uh, another aspect to you which I want to get into as well. Is uh, mm. I, I mentioned at the start um, in the introduction that you're working uh, on a qualification as a personal trainer. Yeah. But it's not just it's not just for fitness. It's for you. It's about mental health. Yeah. This is a really cause that's close to my heart, Stephen. I am somebody who throughout my throughout my childhood, primarily, I had some some trauma in my life. And I think that really affected the way that I worked as an adult. And so there were many kind of times in my career 
where I felt either isolated or I've had imposter syndrome or, you know, kind of severe anxiety when it comes to work. And when I came back from Japan, I really sort of hit a low point because I was, a, I was very confused about, you know, the direction in which I was going. I just had this incredible time spent out in Asia and I missed it. I was sort of craving being back in Asia. And so I was like, okay, well, I've got to invest my energy somewhere. And so I started getting into fitness and I would religiously go to, uh, you know, various sort of fitness classes in, in, in London. And it really helped my mind set and really helped me with my anxiety and controlling my anxiety levels. And so I was like, and you know me, I want to help others all of the time. You know, like I'm a mentor, like I'm a friend, colleague, whatever. I, 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 I'm really, it's really fundamental for me to help other people in my life. And so I thought, okay, well, if this has had such a positive impact on my mental health, it can have the same on so many others and I think, you know, with all the stresses and, and everything that we've been through in the last two years specifically, you know, investing in one's health and in one's mental health is so important. So, yeah, so I'm big, I'm, I'm, I'm studying um, for a level three diploma in personal training, but not for anything to do with aesthetics i'm not tr i'm not trying to become a personal trainer to make people look like you know to, to get them on the front of, of women's health or men's health magazines i'm 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 help i'm doing it so that i can help others control and support their own mental health fantastic sure. what i've heard from you today is some incredible stuff about building relationships uh you highlighted how important that is in asia but i think it's something that is universal as well you talked about having this level of humility, admitting when you don't know something. And I think that's a big uh, thing for people, especially, uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned later on, you talked about this imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. But I think having the humility to tell people or to at least admit to yourself when you don't know something is very important. You talked a lot about, given what you do and what Gemba does, you talked a lot about education um, but I think that lifelong learning, learning and development is something that's super important and I, and I really support your thoughts on that. You talked about your generation and work in general as needing to have purpose and impact. Yeah. The democratization of leadership, and that's a great phrase, um, where giving access to training, giving access to the knowledge to everybody and allowing people to develop the skills that they need. And also moving away from skills being kind of one simple thing. It's not just a university degree, although that can be useful, but mm -hmm. it's it's lifelong learning. It's looking at things. It's trying to learn. It's learning what you need for the job, learning those skills, but bringing, as you say, bringing your passion to what you do. Yeah. And the last, well, the last two things you talked about were really kind of about giving to others, but also learning about yourself, where give back, mentor, help others grow, help others develop. But at the same time, you've got to understand who you are, your boundaries, and yep. what you need as a person. In your case, it's uh, you need to make sure that you're in physical health so that your mental health can be kind of on the game. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think just the final point to add, and for anybody who is tuning in and listening to this, great leadership starts with empathy and it starts with connecting with those around you, whether it be colleagues, clients, your boss, whoever, because 
empathy helps you build a supportive, open and honest culture, which in turn builds trust. Because as we move through life, it's about learning from others, this idea of continuous learning, as we mentioned. It's about having that humility, like you say, and understanding when you don't know all of the answers and asking for help and learning from the experts, learning from those around you. But also it's about appreciation of different minds, diverse minds boost productivity and innovation. And so that's something that, you know, like I say to anyone listening to this, it's about, you know, listen to the people around you because often they have the best ideas and the best answers and you can learn and grow with them. Leadership starts with empathy and listen to the people around you. I think that's a great way for us to finish. Olivia, thanks. It's always a joy to talk to you. And you, and you. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute honour. Thanks. Thank you. You can listen to this podcast on the fourth Monday of every month and on the ICRT website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Leadership Matters by Stephen Parker. You can also check out my social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We'll see you next time.